Welcome to the Deborah Unfiltered Podcast. We are your hosts, our Mary, Dr. Nafi, and Anna Budner. We are here to engage, educate, and hopefully empower you. Today's episode is going to be an amazing one. You guys, I am not even hyping it up. We have the amazing Rugiatu Fal Brody. And on this episode, we are going to talk about all things in vitro fertilization, as well as postpartum depression. So before I go into what is in vitro, what is IVF, and what is postpartum, I just want to give the floor to our amazing guest to introduce herself. Rugi, over to you. Hi, dolls. This is Rugi Brody, Rugi Atufal Brody. I am a mother of two. I am the CEO of Ruru Doll Hair Candy, which specializes in um, virgin, uh, virgin hair uh, wigs. I currently reside in London. And yeah, I'm so excited to be here with you, ladies. Oh Welcome, man, Rugi. we're so happy to have you. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so first thing I'm going to do is just give a brief description of what IVF is. Thankfully, we have our doctor on board, Dr. <laughs> Nakis, on this episode. So I know we have a lot of questions when it comes to IVF and postpartum depression. So, mm-hmm. Dr. Nafi, we will be leaning heavily on you this episode for all the questions that we have. But basically, in vitro fertilization, IVF is one of the several techniques that's available to help people with fertility problems when it comes to having a baby. So during IVF, an egg is removed from a woman's ovaries and fertilized with sperm in a lab. The fertilized egg, which is called an embryo, is then returned to the woman's womb to Mm -hmm. grow and develop. How did I do, Dr. Nafi? In a nutshell, that's exactly what it is. You did perfectly. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Well done. (laughs) Okay. So now that we have a description of what it is, I think the first question I have for Rugi is, how did you even find out about IVF and that being an option for you? Or why yeah. was it even an option? Because you're so young. Right. What was your journey? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So when I met my husband, he'd already um, suffered from prostate cancer. Oh. And, and yeah, he was all right and everything. But obviously after prostate cancer, you, you can't ejaculate. You can't impregnate anybody. So mm. I knew what I was getting into. And from the get-go, I think I first day I told him, listen, I want to get married. I want to have kids. It's just like, shit, that's. Okay, but you know the situation. Um, yeah. So I did a lot of research, and I knew it's very possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so during lockdown, uh, we 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 were going to do it anyway when I go back to Australia, but things happened, and we weren't able to go back. And lockdown happened, and Australia shut down completely, so we were not able to do anything further. Um, mm-hmm. So I came to London to start the process. Now, the process is he was all the way in Australia and I'm here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. So, so uh, we, we arranged for him to uh, get his um, sperm excreted and sent over to me here in London to my clinic. And I started the process. That's amazing. Oh, wow. now, crazy. Yeah. Crazy story. I know. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. um, now, so 
Um, now, how was the process like for you? Because I know a lot of people don't mm-hmm. realize what's involved and uh, what are some of the things you have to do. Because it can be emotionally yes. and physically, you know, draining on the woman who's going oh. through IVF just because all of the, you know, the the uh, medications, the injections that are uh-huh. involved sometimes, uh-huh. the you know, the ups and downs as far as, um, you know, do we have an embryo? Yes, we do, mm-hmm. but it's not, Ooh, it's not right. a normal embryo. So we have to start over again, right? Wow. Yes. I feel like just talking about this, I'm going to relieve the whole oh. journey. Um, first of all, it's a very isolating and lonely journey mm-hmm. because um, a lot of people probably have not gone through it. So even though you're trying to explain to your friends and family, they don't understand how much of emotional toll it takes out in you. Mm-hmm. Um, so how I, well, obviously I started with um, taking shots. So these shots you have to take, it's called uh, the I, ISH, the Bipolar mm-hmm. and the Gonal. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're supposed to take it like on the second day of your cycle, your menstrual cycle, and it has to be taken um, at, the, at the exact time every single day for the next seven days. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to administer it yourself. And remember, at the time, it was lockdown. So I couldn't get, go, go into a clinic to get the assistance that I may need. My mm-hmm. husband wasn't around. I was by myself with my then four-year-old um, oh. son. Mm-hmm. But I, I wanted it so bad, so I'm going to dig it up, and I just kept going. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a lot of tears. So I did that, and, you know, they give you a whole treatment protocol. This is what you're supposed to do at a certain time, you know. Uh, sometimes you make mistakes. Sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. I, uh, I get it right. Um, so first cycle, we, we were able to stimulate or get uh, 17 eggs. Because nice. you know, I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm young. I got this hunger. You know, I'm fresh. Yeah. Market or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mm. And then uh, time to do the trigger shots and, you know, Dr. Nafi, the whole mm-hmm. nine yard. Yeah. Um, did a trigger shot. And then, obviously, we had our sperm sent from mm-hmm. Australia already. So, mm-hmm. you know, they fertilized it and they will, you know, give you updates every, every day. Or, or, you know, how many eggs has fertilized or, you know, how many eggs look like they're going to fertilize. and mm-hmm. So we ended up down from 17 eggs down to only three fertilized. Yes. What? Three yeah, girl, yes. Mm-hmm. She's telling the truth. Only three. And out of the three, the different grades of, you know, embryos, like the quality. Yes. <laughs> so we ended up with one. One B grade, not even A grade. Yeah. So we went ahead. Instead of doing another round, I'm like, I'm young. I'm sure being an egg, being the embryo will be fine. Uh, Went ahead and transferred it. It was right around the time my brother Medicare passed away. So, uh, yeah, I did. I did get pregnant, you know, early stages. But then I had a miscarriage, you know, out of stress and everything. And they, you know, they will offer you um, uh, therapy and all of that. I'm like, nah, you know what? I, I think I got this. So I was ready for the next round. 
And mind you, we don't have any financial assistance with this, you know? Mm-hmm. So mean, this is completely out of pocket with no insurance covering any of the expenses. 120%. Oh, my oh. God. Oh, and yes. so just FYI also about that, just to piggyback on that. Mm-hmm. A lot, oh, that's it's how it is in the U.S. as well. Mm-hmm. IVF is not covered by almost 90% of the insurance companies in America. So you have to do it out of pocket for most people. Very few insurances may cover some of it, but Mm -hmm. all of my friends that I know who have gone through IVF, it's out of pocket. Yeah, yeah. And it's not cheap. It can be from like $18,000, $20,000 up to... Per round. Yeah, per round this is. So my my best friend, uh, Fatma Khan, she's a Pakistani girl. We mm-hmm. went to med school together. So she had to do at least eight rounds before she, before she was successful. By the time she was done, she mm-hmm. spent almost ninety thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And the, the 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 average person, to be honest, can't afford that. No, realistically, it's no. not. It's not cheap. It's not cheap. But go ahead, Rogi. Mm. Yeah, so obviously the first round didn't work. Um, I went ahead with the second round. Second round, everything went well. As you know, Dr. Nafi, to piggyback back on what you just said, Mm -hmm. it's so expensive. It's one thing paying the clinic for the, you know, the whole Mm -hmm. treatment. It's another thing paying for the medication. Mm -hmm. Medication can be even more expensive. Mm Mm-hmm. And Mm -hmm. so we started the next round. It was all going well. And just the night that I was supposed to do my trigger shot. Yeah. Which is, you know, to help get the Dr. Nafi, you know what the trigger Mm. shot is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So my body reacted. And here I am walking in. I'm like, yes, they're going to, you know, extract, you know, X amount of eggs this time. I think this time I had seven. I didn't have the whole nine yet. So I arrived and they're just like, your body has severely reacted against it. Um, I was ovulating already. Oh, (laughs) no. Yes. So they canceled the whole cycle. And, you know, mind you, again, it's it's COVID. You're not seeing people. You're locked down. I'm just here by myself with my child. Um, I'm crying every night during the day. I'm just busy looking after him. And then, you know, it's it's very lonely. Even when I'm trying to explain to my, my friends, they, you don't yeah. get it unless yeah. you've been through it. Absolutely. So they canceled the whole cycle. Imagine, you know, doing the shots by myself for a good 10 to 14 days. Mm-hmm. And at this point, um, it it brought a big rift between my husband and I he's just like I can't stand you going through all of this it's mm-hmm. draining me I feel bad I'm not there and we're around, so we're gonna have to cancel and just stop I'm like what do you mean stop <laughs> I didn't come this far to just stop you know <laughs> and it's one thing you just become so obsessed with it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so yeah. here am I had to wait for my next menstrual cycle started the whole thing again I had Four, um, four eggs this time. Oh my! So from seventeen to seventeen. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here you are thinking I'm young or whatever, but what you doctors mm-hmm. tell us, <laughs> you're not getting any younger. Right. <laughs> I, I kid you not. It's I, I, I 100% believing it. So, 
um, went through the next cycle, but mind you, this time they changed. So IVF has different um, treatments, correct? Mm-hmm. So I had mouth stimulation at first. Yep. And then uh, ECSI. Mm-hmm. So they swapped me over to ECSI this time. Mm-hmm. And uh, luckily, I had two embryos that were looking really good. They, one was A grade, the other was B grade. So okay. yeah, great. Okay, I have two. <laughs> Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, scheduled for the transfer and, you know, waited the whole time between menstrual cycles. And then the morning of the transfer, I, I, I was like, because already hubby and I, we don't like each other at this point. <laughs> you know, yeah, he's pushing and pulling and rah, rah. So the doctors come out and say, because of the London laws, the UK law, sorry, um, you, I'm not able to transfer both eggs, but I've already uh, miscarried. And I, I knew this was my last chance after this. There's no way if I wanted to continue my marriage that I would do another round. Yeah. So they're, you know, pulling and I'm just like, listen, I need you guys to just, you know, transfer both embryos because I don't have another shot. This is the last. Mm-hmm. Uh, we spent about two hours. They were doing counseling on me. Why I shouldn't do it? Rah, rah, rah. I'm like, I don't care. I'll take the risk. So they gave me papers to sign, and we did. Um, and this was the, uh, you know, this was me and Kate, but only one court. Imagine if oh. I went ahead with the advice and just, you know, took one. So yeah. that would be me with no babies. I'll just be with one, one yeah. child. So yeah, I'm really glad I pushed and pulled with them that morning to transfer two both both embryos instead of just one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's where we are, and uh, I'm happy to say we're trying again. So I'm on the process of IVF again. Oh yeah! Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So you're doing this all over again. Okay, wait. First, I have yeah. a, a couple of questions. I uh-huh. know our Mary has some questions too. Please excuse her silence. Uh-huh. It's just yeah. that she's currently in the village in Gambia and she doesn't uh-huh. have the best connection. So for uh-huh. our listeners who are used to our Mary being the chatty catty that she is, if you hear her <laughs> quiet, it's because she's like trying to figure out her connection situation. Uh-huh. But she'll jump in whenever it's strong. So my first question is, do you think the loss of your brother and that grief affected your your process and why you might have had a miscarriage? I think 90% yes. Mm-hmm. But based on other women, you know, that I spoke to, it, it happens. You you. It, mm-hmm. You, you can't have a miscarriage early stages, right? Mm-hmm. But I was so stressed. Like, imagine I'm not eating well. I'm not taking mm-hmm. my, my prenatal um, tablets. I'm not taking my medication. I was not following the protocol anymore. Mm. Okay. In, you know, and there are things that, uh, there are other medications. Oh, I forgot the name. They're supposed to insert in you once they do the transfer, right? The progesterone? The progesterone, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I was mm-hmm. all over the plot. Because, so yeah, the progesterone is mm-hmm. supposed to help continue to cause thickening of your of your cervix so that you don't lose the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, um, yeah, you're right. And so, yeah, yeah that usually so stress, helps. Yeah, mm-hmm. stress definitely doesn't help. Oh, oh. that's true. That's yeah. true. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I just wanted to 
wanted to go back to that because for the listeners who are interested in going through the process or are currently going through the process, it's important to hear from someone who's already been through it and is going yeah. through it again, that so you they can learn from some of the lessons um, you had to learn the hard way. So in addition to making sure that you're taking all the medications that are required, taking your um, progesterone shot, um, taking your um, what is it called? The medication that anybody can take uh, the pills that we take when you want to get pregnant. What is that called? Prenatals. Your prenatals. Thank you. Hey, yala. <laughs> <So, laughs> So, you know, take your prenatals and then make sure that you're in a good headspace, you know, like mm-hmm. make sure that I know life be life and you can't help it. Sometimes things happen, but at the same time, really protect your mental headspace mm-hmm. and create a, a, a space where your energy is safe. So you can actually go through this process. Yes, yeah. you could have said it any better. You can have said it absolutely, better. absolutely, absolutely. I I agree with that, uh, all you guys, because just because the whole process of getting um, uh, you know, the IVF process done, it's very emotionally grueling. Oh man, it is not for the faint of heart. I'm, uh-uh. I'll tell you that it uh-uh. is. It'll test you emotionally, physically. It'll test your relationship, your marriages, your yeah. partnership, whatever you got. You know what I mean? I mean, Just, you're so right. It got to a yeah. point where I told my husband, well, yeah. if you're going to give up on this, I'm going to f- go find a donor because I, ah! I want this child. That's I not a donor. It was breaking us up. I'm not kidding. Oh. What the hell have you me? You don't oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's so oh. true. That's what I mean. oh but at God. the it's... same time, your digger boppaness, you know, actually played to yeah. your advantage because. When you went in the last time, you asked them to put both in, and they were yeah. saying you should just do one based on the laws in that country. And you were like, I'll find whatever NDA yeah. paperwork I need to sign, but put both of right. them in there. And that's how you ended up with your daughter. So yeah. sometimes it's important to 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 like really listen to your inner voice and it is and so important. And nobody else can tell yourself. you more about yourself than yourself. Like I Absolutely. knew what I was feeling. I knew this had to be done, right. <laughs> you know, like, right. yeah. yeah. Now, from a medical point of view, typically mm-hmm. we will, we will advise against having, you know, um, mm-hmm. multiples implanted or multiples transferred just mm-hmm. because, uh, just, me- just because medically having two babies grow in your body, you have mm-hmm. more complications with just mm-hmm. like preeclampsia with pre mm-hmm. preterm delivery, um, you know, um, uh, gestational diabetes, like there's a lot of complications that come with carrying multiples. And right. so because of that, most um, OBs, most uh, obstetricians shy away from doing, from pushing that on you because um, my friend, uh, my, my best friend, Fatma, that I'm t- I was telling you guys, she also ended up having to have multiples put in because she's failed. She's had transfers done. And mm-hmm. seven times, I believe, um, it was her seventh time. It was all failing. And so the, the, the last time they did it, she had um, the doctor put in two embryos mm-hmm. instead. 
And but luckily for her, both embryos took, so she ended up having twins. Oh, yeah, yeah, she ended up having twins. So, um, but you know, like uh, having multiple gestation, that that it goes with its own complications too, and that's why they always say, um, try to um, you know, explain the risks to the mother so she's aware that having two instead of one may increase your chances of a lot of lot of com- pregnancy uh-huh. complications absolutely absolutely yeah and you know what when you're in that um head space mm-hmm. you do understand what the doctors are saying but you feel like the doctors mm-hmm. are not hearing you they don't understand right. your emotion or how you feel like exactly. I just want this. I, I, i'm willing to go through anything yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. no I, I mean and a lot of my friends that I talked to explained this thing that where sometimes they almost felt desperate while they're going through this, you know, because you've, um, you've invested so much emotionally, financially and everything else, you know, physically. Mm -hmm. So you are like, I need to have like something in return, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you're just in that headspace where you're like, I cannot go through all of this and not have anything in return or to show for it. You know what I mean? Totally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. But I'm also wondering, like, what did you guys do um, to, with you and your husband to get back on the same page and kind of keep the marriage together and mm-hmm. get over that, that difficult part where you guys were not seeing eye to eye. He's like, stop mm-hmm. it already. You're putting your body through too much and you're like no I have to keep going like Mm -hmm. you know I need to have this baby so now you know as a husband and wife you're Mm -hmm. not on the same page so how did you bring it back together and make sure that the marriage stayed strong and survived that yeah uh luckily we do have a bond that you know we talk and Mm -hmm. we didn't have a choice like we were separated you know he's in Australia I'm in Gambia either Gambia or I'm in London so we just had to communicate nonstop. Mm-hmm. And we were so in tune with our emotional selves. Like, mm-hmm. we get each other. So even when, like, we're pushing and pulling and there's a rift, we we have this thing that we're able to just come back and just talk as mm-hmm. friends first. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he'll hear me out. I'll hear him out. And then we just came to an understanding, like, baby, I can't. I just, I just can't watch you go through this. Look mm-hmm. at your body. Like, I gained stupid amount of weight i was emotional mm-hmm. and he said I, you need to understand i'm helpless i can't help you and i hate it and yeah. it's driving me mental as well and i'm telling him how i feel as well mm-hmm. so we just had to come to a common ground it's like okay we try one more time and if it doesn't work we walk away and he was like Rugi, we uh he's already got two boys older boys mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, who we love very much and then i've got jamil and she's like we have beautiful boys yeah. You know, if it doesn't work, it's not meant to be. Let let's just continue with our lives and be happy and have fun, travel and eat and drink. Yeah. That's who we are, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we just I and I we compromised, 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 compromised. So it was like we're gonna try one more time, and that's what I was trying to explain to the doctors that morning. Like you don't understand, this is my last shot because I actually agreed already. <laughs> this is our last. Yes. Yeah. And. You know, thankfully it worked. And because it worked, and he is so in love with Mia Kate. So now uh-huh. we, want, 
he's just like, how can we not try for the the next one? But imagine, (laughs) yeah, the conversation was not like that, (laughs) you know, the last time. But, you know, there's always hope and if there's enough love and communication and respect Mm -hmm. and just, you know what I mean? So it's just the bond we have and we get each other and we're able to talk. Yeah. Yeah, emotional support, mm-hmm. it's it's key and it's crucial mm-hmm. for like mm-hmm. couples that are going through this. Mm-hmm. And just for our listeners also, you know, so IVF is something that in our culture and our community in Gambia, it's not as common. Um, but nowadays, a lot of us who are living in the West, a lot of us in the diaspora, we have the opportunity and the chance mm-hmm. to be able to actually tap into that medical um, technology Mm -hmm. in order to become parents, right? And so it is becoming more and more common for uh, Gambians living in abroad to actually do IVF. And I would say to a lot of um, uh, Gambian sisters who are maybe not married yet and uh, more doing their professional life and, and building their professional careers, Make sure that you save your eggs. Make sure you freeze your eggs because it is very important. Mm -hmm. If you're not sure when you're going to get married, and typically around 35, our eggs quality, our egg quality does start to dwindle a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, As much eggs and you definitely don't produce as much quality eggs. And that's why people would have things like miscarriages because the embryos may be slightly uh, abnormal Mm -hmm. and the body is very good at getting rid of embryos that's abnormal. Your body can sense it. If there's a chromosomal dis, you know, um, uh, abnormality in the, in the in the embryo, your body will just dispel of it and it will be um, taken out as a miscarriage, right? Quote, unquote. Yeah. And that's usually typically in early part of uh, the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so what you want to do is if you're maybe, let's say, 35 to like 40 and you're not married yet, you need to make sure you go and you freeze your eggs until you find that partner later in life that you want to have a baby with. At least you have good quality eggs that you save. And then you can use your partner's sperm and then you guys can have, you know, great healthy babies. Totally. Otherwise, uh, otherwise after, the, after like 35 or even 40, um, it's a struggle having to create... Um, healthy uh eggs as a woman right hey my so. sister let me tell you let me give you my portion <laughs> <laughs> first of all i just want to say that infertility is a universal problem Absolutely. and actually the highest prevalence is in low resource countries and that mm-hmm. means unfortunately our african countries especially mm-hmm. in sub-saharan african countries and most of the cause is infection related tubal damage mm-hmm. because you in our cultures, we are not raised to go to the gynecologist every six months. Yeah. We're not raised to really care about our vagina health. We're like, mm-hmm. if you have a vagina, don't touch it, don't look at it. No boy should touch it, no boy should look at it. And then you get married, you're supposed to magically have a baby. <laughs> no, but, but the thing is, as soon as they look at you, you're supposed to get pregnant. Right. Right. That part. You know? So there are a lot of of couples in developing countries that have secondary, uh, primary or secondary infertility. And Mm -hmm. I am one of those because I have my my beautiful baby girl who's now 16. Mm -hmm. Um, 
16 years ago. Then I had my son 10 years ago. And then my husband and I decided I actually wanted to have a baby like two, three years after our son. And he was like, no, 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 you know, let's wait. Um, you know, like, uh, let's give him time to, he was obsessed. It was his first child. This was my second child. So he couldn't get enough of it. Well, here, let me tell you, 2019, we moved back to the U S and I was like, I'm going to get off birth control, uh, remove the IUD. And we're just going to start trying naturally. My, my sisters, as we sit where I'm sitting today, we have been trying and trying mm. and trying. And if there's anything you people know about me, is that sex is my love language. So there's no position <laughs> I, I have it. not tried. <laughs> I have you tried know? every position. I have well, eaten Ma, everything. I have a question for you. Yes. Did it take away, like, did it become too mechanical? Because you love your sex, right? And of course, you know, all men love their sex. But when you say, we got to keep trying, we got to keep trying. Like, at some point, it's mechanical. It does. And then it gets boring. And then um, at some point, I was like, you know what? We're going to make it special. So we started doing a lot of hotel sex. Like, let's check into the Mandarin <laughs> Oriental. And we're going to just. Pool. I think I saw your post. <laughs> Eli, Anna. <laughs> we're going to conceive this baby at the Mandarin Oriental. This weekend is the weekend. But after years of trying, I was like, all right, well, clearly something's up. And when I went to my doctor, they did all the blood work, all the mm -hmm. labs, all the scans mm -hmm. and um, found out I actually had three fibroids um, oh. and they were super small. So they're like, it's nothing that we need to go in and have mm -hmm. a surgery and remove. Mm -hmm. um, but then what I was told was that my ovarian reserves were super low. Mm hmm. And so we, then we started doing what you do in America. You call your insurance, you start trying mm -hmm. to check if your insurance covers any of these infertility treatments. Mm -hmm. And then I was told that I have to go see um, a reproductive endocrinologist because mm -hmm. I had my um, thyroid removed. I had thyroid removal surgery in 2017. Oh, that's important mm -hmm. in IVF. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Do you see? So now we're at the stage where I am due to go meet with my reproductive endocrinologist and then, but it's definitely looking like I'm going to have to have some intervention if I want I, yeah, to get yeah. pregnant I at this point. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And you I, know what, as well, yeah. um, just speaking to our audience, which I hope there is more, more Gambian. Yeah. Um, I did have a friend, a very close friend, actually, uh, her hubby found out I was doing IVF and he called a manufactured baby Yala. Yes, and then she's of age as well. And because I inspired her so much, and you know, she was like, I wish I knew how to convince my, my husband because they want to lean it for haram if science yes she went through it a lot you know and then luckily them not be convinced but it was a bit too late it's really important when you understand it's your eggs and the sperm made them together you know what I mean it's just happening outside of the body but it's the same thing look at like death and you know what yeah, yeah, like let's just stop. No, let's and that's open-minded. 
and let's just use you know doctors and technology let what they expose us to let's use it to the best of, of our abilities exactly. you know priorities and That's education and just ex- so this podcast is so important for numuna one in it you know anybody who looks at my baby girl exactly come on copy papabla Oh, that's you know cute. I mean? Yeah, that's so cute. if if that's what their fear is, it's important to have these conversations. Like, absolutely, maybe you know, it's just it doesn't. And the thing is, the dean, the dean says, if you you know that we can use science to our advantage, especially in the medical field, right? Because yeah. if that's if if we're saying that oh, you know, what when you use technology, it's gonna go against what God says. Why are people having open heart surgery? Don't have it, then just die. You know, so we have to have an understanding that there's a reason why God has created these people to have this kind of, you know, mind to help you know, break through things in, in, in medicine that are helping save lives, right? 100%. Back in the day, you have a heart attack. There's no way of saving you and people are dying. Yeah. Nowadays, alhamdulillah, you have a heart attack. You go to the hospital. The next day, you're out and walking, minding your business. Can you imagine? Absolutely. Right? And so Absolutely. we cannot say no to that. Why? Because, well, that mentality is so mm-hmm. like old outdated you know it's outdated. and it's it's, it's not it's not helpful if if yeah. god has created these people that are so um you know geniuses really and helping create things that make people's lives healthier and better mm-hmm. there's no reason why you can't do that you know there's what i mean no but but in our it's our mindset sometimes we use our ignorance it's what limits us you know, our ignorance limits us quite a bit especially in our part of the world yeah. where we feel like anything that's you know um medical science is 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 gins or evil related yes. and, and and you know and let's and, stop say calling each other what, what does that mean? That narrative, like, no, you, you know what I heard? Like, no, what the hell here? When I was going through the whole thing and I was talking to my close, my loved ones, my family, some of them were just like, hey, I cannot take it. Are you serious? I swear, but we have to just, you know, gain a narrative. It's not about to bab, it's just mm-hmm. about infertility. And sometimes it's not the woman. I was not the problem. No, 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 no. But imagine you're talking the Gambian, you're talking, you know, taking the blame. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so it's it's in our underdeveloped countries where you have the biggest prevalence. Mm-hmm. of infertility because we don't have a practice of the women checking their bodies and exactly. the men checking their bodies. We but don't I, understand. You know what? A lot of men, you know, I've been checking as well for you, and the men check. Then you're on the high. Men that are just about to do them check. I swear they will condemn it. Hell no. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think we did an episode on infertility, actually. And we had my cousin 
who is in Gambia, lives in Gambia, who joined us as a guest. And she talks about her, um, or she talked about her, her journey with mm. infertility with her mm. husband, which ended up in divorce. But she talked about how oh. badly her husband or her ex-husband treated her. I mean, and the oh. extended family, come wahan to bake dila, making her feel so, yo mom, she said somebody had said to one of the ladies, why yo, 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 we tell me do joke chisa bopa, yo, sa frit mole again, frit bopa do galen bach musena, yo, do joke chisa bopa. Who says that? That is Mean African, mean Gambians. And and on that episode, we also had Sister Njai, who came mm -hmm. with the with the complete opposite experience where her family was super supportive, her husband was super supportive, yes, and they sir. were trying to do it together. But guess what? They're now mm -hmm. ended up in a divorce. So mm -hmm. we haven't gotten an update from her, but who's to say that the infertility didn't of finally course. get to the husband or the husband's family whispering in his ear and, yeah. it, it, and it ended up destroying their marriage because they're currently divorced. And I, from what I understand, the, the husband has now a new wife. So, but, yeah, yeah, I, I just like you. experiences I've heard more, sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, no, 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 go ahead. I'm divorced because I'm divorced. And you, you know what I mean? So yeah. it wasn't her fault. It, maybe yeah. it was the guy's it's fault. Not. And sometimes, I don't know, Dr. Nafi, maybe we can elaborate on this, but it's yeah. important to talk about blood types when you yeah. bring everything together. Oh, yeah, absolutely, because blood types are quite important. Like in a lot of diseases, too, when you're marrying somebody, sometimes your blood types don't go together, mm -hmm. and it can affect um you know the embryo growing up and and and, and whether it it you know becomes a successful pregnancy and things like uh sickle cell also is things that yeah. if if you don't know the other person's uh um if they are carriers you know in their blood and stuff like that and then you marry them they end up having you know together you will become incompatible yeah. um as as far as like um kids you know having bearing a child that uh, is healthy, you know what I mean? And yeah. so that's, but in, in Africa, we don't think about that, right? Boys yeah, but it's a of IVF because you, your embryos can actually get tested. They go through PGT testing. Absolutely, absolutely. So eliminate all those issues and you have the best grade embryo embryos. You know, just so you know what kind of kid you're going to get. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, so, so I, I think it, I am definitely somebody who thinks that IVF should be, you know, like we should encourage more people to do it, especially in an era where you don't, you, you don't need to be childless when you can be, you know, you can be a parent, you know what I mean? Like if yeah. you're now in your forties or, you know, you're 40 and up, right. Uh, even if you're in your early forties, but if you're 40 and up, it becomes much tougher. Like Anna and I are right. Mm -hmm. So yep. my husband and I, we've been married for like eight years. We don't mm -hmm. have any kids. But that's our choice. For the longest time, we didn't want to have any kids. We wanted to travel, enjoy our life, whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so now we're actually thinking about having kids. But the fact that, you know, if you're 40 or a little bit over 40, you have to think about IVF. And that's in my near future, to be honest, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But if, did if, you freeze your eggs? If I, if, right. So that's the thing. You have to freeze your eggs. And I, yes, I did, thankfully. Well but, done. But, Good job. but. And I'm telling people, do it. I just convinced my, my, my first cousin to do it. I said, she's not married right now. And she's like, I'm waiting. I don't know when I'm going to be married. She's 42. I said, damn it, you need to go freeze your eggs mm -hmm. so, so that it's not too late. 
and for yeah. a lot of and there are and for for some of our sisters who are like maybe over 40 they never got a chance to find out they, they were not financially able to freeze their eggs right uh-huh. so it's not the end of the road for you too actually you can get a donor egg if you want to have a child you can get a donor egg and your husband's sperm together and you can carry the baby or the the embryo and, and be a mom yeah. So there's always there's different Absolutely. varieties of it. There's yeah. different varieties of it. So I don't want people to feel, you know, like hopeless that there's no and 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 another way to be a parent is you can adopt children. There are tons of kids that need to be adopted and helped in orphanages and stuff. So it's not just delivering a baby that makes you a mother, right? Yeah. But, yeah. but and just, be, that's what oh, your your cousin did. My cousin that came yeah. on our show, Saini, that shared yeah. about her infertility journey. She ended up um, um, adopting a, a newborn, yeah, baby Aww. boy. And I wanted to also just go back to what Rugi was saying, because I know a lot of Gambians will default to the fact that, well, it's expensive. My husband's mm-hmm. not a millionaire like yours. Mm-hmm. My husband's not, a, you know, so I know that those comments are already coming out of their mouths. I can oh, hear yeah. you people. My it's listeners, so- I can hear you. I already know <laughs> what you're saying. Lola, I'm the Rugi mom. Wow, the for a business. Rugi the for I'm Hallis. Rugi the for I'm Hallis. What are you going to definitely? So what I want to go back to say is that Rugi has just said Instead of investing in your ore, because you people will are the very ones that will go and spend thousands of dollars on mm-hmm. ore and mm-hmm. peas from Dubai and mm-hmm. now from Nigeria and That's now from, from Ghana. Mm-hmm. That money, if you put it together, you can definitely be, af- be able to afford doing a IVF cycle. And then mm-hmm. I also wanted to say, Another thing that you could do that can help, Rugi had shared that when she was initially going through the first cycle, she was really feeling lonely and isolated. And Mm -hmm. that can be the case and it could be tough for people. So find an accountability partner. Like right now, what I'm going through, I have a cousin who's 10 years younger than me, 10 Mm -hmm. years younger than me. And she also is dealing with difficulty conceiving. Mm -hmm. So her and I talk to each other every week. We talk about oh, our, our doctor's oh, appointments. We I'm talk about it as well. So we should keep talking. Listen, yeah. now we're about to make a whole group. Okay. We'll <laughs> add you to it. Yeah. A and support group. Yes. We're going to have to do a support network of just, and that's important, you know, because this kind of transition us into motherhood. And let's also talk about postpartum, right? Because it's all part of, oh. if you have support emotionally, yeah. are there people helping you out? Because, like being a mother, you know, um, although I've never been a mother, but like in my line of work, I see moms all the time who come in and sometimes they are in a in a different headspace emotionally. Right. A lot of things can happen emotionally or you can experience different things when you become a mom. Right. And yeah. so we're going to talk a little bit about that. So um, motherhood in different in general, looks different depending on where you are, right? Uh-huh. Places like Gambia, maybe you ha- you may have more social support, right? Uh-huh. And um, and I, I know I mentioned this before that uh, in places like Ethiopia and um, people, uh, when you live in those countries and you have you you have a baby, you know you don't really take care of the baby. They will massage the new moms, pamper yeah. them. You don't get to do work. You know what I mean? 
So mm-hmm. there's a lot of support in some of those um, uh, culture cultures, right? Uh-huh. But then in the West, there's not so much social support here per se, meaning everybody lives on their own uh-huh. and, and, and kind of far from each other. So you may not have that support where your cousin is watching the baby while you sleep, your, gra- your mother is taking care of the baby while you sleep or do this. Uh-huh. You may not have that kind of support in the West. Okay. And, uh, and those are all risks of what may uh, cause um, people to have like postpartum depression or postpartum blues, right? Okay. And so um, in general, so there's different types of, of, of um, mood uh, changes that you can experience. Like, and this is quite normal. Like 85% of women will experience some type of a mood disturbance, right? Uh-huh. And so whether it's a, a postpartum blues and postpartum blues, what it is, it's just that you're feeling not yourself. You have crying spells, you're feeling irritable, mood swings, you know, you have anxiety. And it typically happens like two, three days after you deliver. Uh-huh. And uh, it, but, but the, the different, the way you differentiate postpartum or, or, um, or baby blues from postpartum depression is that baby blues, it lasts less than two weeks, right? Mm-hmm. You have, you have it, it starts within a few days after you give birth and it peaks around day four, day five, but within two weeks, you're feeling much better, more confident about, about, about your role and whatever. And then it gets mm-hmm. better and these symptoms are milder, right? And so, that and that's that's the baby blues. And so for baby blues, like I said, it's very common. Eighty five percent of 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 uh, of people experience that the baby blues, and that's normal to have. Yeah. And postpartum depression, though, it um, it typically will surface or onset within a month, like within four weeks of giving birth, and then up, you it will start to manifest. And the symptoms are a bit more uh, severe than the baby blues, right? You will have the anxiety. You may have the mood swings, the irritations. And But it, um, what's a bit different is that you would actually, you, you may think about like, uh, like you may have thoughts of suicide, right? And so it, it pretty much um, is, is, uh, is kind of like depression, but just around um, your, 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 your giving birth. And that's why it's called postpartum Mm -hmm. depression. And it's kind of like a depression, uh, symptoms are very similar to that of a normal depression, but it may just be triggered by the fact that you gave birth and hormones are like labile, your hormones are all over and there's a lot of changes happening. So you're not sleeping as a lot. So there's a lot of insomnia Mm -hmm. in postpartum. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then you'll mm-hmm. have most of the time you'll uh, for postpartum depression, the mother will have difficulty bonding and nurturing with the baby. Um, and so they'll have like lost of interest. You don't want to do the same things you wanted to do before. You're feeling guilty. You're feeling tired. Your appetite, you know, like you said, is low. And uh, and, and this is actually um, one in five women experience postpartum depression in the world. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very common, although we don't talk about it more in, in developing countries, right? It's kind of like, uh, and one of, one of the um, OBs that I, I reached out to and talked to in Gambia, because I wanted to have some tangible data as to how often and how, how prevalent is it in Gambia? And her response was that 
we don't see it much often. And that's because it's under uh, diagnosed. People don't know they have it. They know that they feel different. They're not feeling themselves, but they don't put a word or diagnosis to what that feeling is. And they don't go to the doctor to get it diagnosed. So just because we have not seen a lot of people come forward with it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist in the Gambian culture. It definitely does. Um, and so and so then you also have another um, part, which is because there's different types of mood uh, disturbances or changes right around when you deliver. And that's the baby blues and then the postpartum depression. And then you can have what's called postpartum psychosis. That's a bit more rare. And um, it's like maybe one in a thousand mothers will have it. But this is something that would typically present a couple days after you deliver within the first 72 hours. It will present and you will see a lot of like restlessness, hallucinations, you know, being being told in your mind to harm the baby. And, and you know, sometimes we've all seen in the news where a mother actually harms her baby or kills the baby. Right. And and those are types of things where it's called postpartum psychosis, where you are actually hearing voices in your head telling you to, to like, you know, um, suffocate the baby you know, put the baby in water and they drown. Like these are, these are real things that mothers are struggling with and brand new mothers. And some of them may not know what this is. You know, they may not understand what they're going through. And I think it's important that we bring it out in the forefront and, and educate and sensitize our women and let them know that there is hope and there's help. Like these are very highly treatable things. Absolutely. Highly treatable. And it's very common, you know, so there's no need to be ashamed or or hide it or anything like that. Because my own cousin, just talking to my family about it, my own cousin told me that she went through postpartum depression. She lives in Michigan. She -hmm. had no idea that's what she was going through because nobody taught her that. So she didn't know that until after the fact, she said, I was watching a commercial. And I was like, oh, goddamn, that's exactly what I had. But mm. she didn't know. And she was just struggling emotionally for months, didn't tell anybody. Because obviously, God forbid in our culture, you have to complain about being a mother or struggles that you have. And then everybody will just shut you down and say, listen, we all have the same struggles. Shut the hell up. You know what I mean? Man. So most people will keep it inside and not voice it. And, 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 and there's not a lot of support system in our culture about it also. So, yeah, yeah I'm going to open the floors to you guys. And, like, as mothers, um, one of the things that I would ask is that what, have, what has been some of your struggles as a mom? I'll let oh, you go, Ruby. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so, uh I've always been the girl that had mental health issues, right? I've been diagnosed, I've taken medication or whatever, mm-hmm. right? But when I gave birth to my my baby girl, I was the happiest. Like it, it was like I was on a high, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I had I was the happiest girl alive. Like one because I have the most supportive husband all mm-hmm. I had to do was just breastfeed the baby and give her back to him he did the bottles he did the laundry 
he did the cleaning up. I didn't have to do anything because I had cesarean. So mm-hmm. I didn't do anything. He looked after the boy, took the boy to school. So I felt like I had the best support. Mm-hmm. Right. So I never suffered from the postpartum mental bit, which mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very in tune with my mental health. I know how mm-hmm. to cope. I know my triggers. I know mm-hmm. how I'm feeling. So uh, trust me, if I had it, I would have picked it up. But one thing <clears throat> I struggled with was the physical part of it. Mm. So there's mental and there's physical. For me, um, my beauty is my mm. whole world. <laughs> you know, and you can knock me, but this is just who I am. No, mm-hmm. it's the truth. We, sh- we don't talk about those things too, you know, and it takes a toll. Yes, mm-hmm. I've never had skin problems. I've always had very mm. flawless skin. I've always had very beautiful hair. I've always had like a nice lean body. Even right after giving birth, you couldn't tell. So it was all new to me. And this is what was holding me back. This is what was affecting me. So I wasn't mentally ill. I was just, is it, it, can I class it as a body dysmorphia? Yeah, you can. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is what was killing me. Um, and you know, slowly I started to see physical changes. Of course, mm-hmm. I, I went to every dermatologist in London, like the highest end. So trust me, I would fix it. I fixed everything. Um, but then I started to decline maybe eight, nine months after giving birth. Like mm-hmm. I was not looking after myself. So I don't know if there can be a delayed postpartum or... Yeah, so I stopped up to myself. I just didn't, I didn't feel like doing anything. I just wanted to be home with the baby. It's oh. not usually rugi that I'm always out getting doing activities with the kids, like shopping and you know traveling. Yeah. I just didn't want to even talk to anybody anymore. I stopped mm-hmm. answering my phone, answering my texts. Like, yeah. So this was oh. nine, ten months after the baby, but right after the baby, I was on a high. Yeah. So sometimes it can uh, present later. Some people have it maybe a year after even giving birth. There's no specific time when all of a sudden the trigger goes off and you are in postpartum depression. And it can come anytime really within that whole realm. And what it is, is just recognizing when it comes. Um, Because sometimes we look for it in the first couple of months. Right. Mm-hmm. And if it, if it doesn't happen, then we're like, oh, OK, I'm good. I'm done. But then mm-hmm. some people, it actually manifests later on. It could be five months postpartum. It could be a year postpartum. There is, you know what I mean? It could happen anytime there. That was me. That yes. was me. And then yes. um, just right before my baby turned one, maybe in December, January, my hair just started to fall off. Like, I'm like, what the hell's mm-hmm. going on? Yeah, I couldn't recognize myself. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, this is postpartum. But my thing is, uh, in between, you know, you go with it through emotions with people, your loved ones, and they start to see changes. Mm-hmm. When do you start differentiating? Am I going through postpartum? Mm-hmm. Or are you annoying the hell out of me? And then mm-hmm. all of them are saying, oh, it's just postpartum. It's just postpartum. They're diminishing your feelings. Mm-hmm. And no, wait a minute. It's, it might not be postpartum. My feelings are valid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, so, yeah. And so what, what you want to do is, like, especially, you know, this is also for our listeners, is that 
There is a, a questionnaire online where you could always, if you're starting to feel like not yourself, not, you know, where you're like, this is not my typical, you know, mood or how I, I usually am. Um, you can take, you could do the screening online. They're free questionnaires where you could do them online. And that kind of helps you. Um, it's a 10 question uh, uh, item where it'll ask you things like how you're feeling, your mood, and, and, and like, are you feeling like there's lost of interest? And in your case, just like you've mentioned that you don't, you, you all of a sudden didn't like things you did before, like shopping mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You stopped want, like finding interest in that. So that's mm-hmm. loss in interest in the usual activities that we like to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it may not just be like blaring sign that, oh my God, I have postpartum depression. It may be very subtle things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that that you have going on and and that's just equally uh, uh valid you know that that you're going through um through certain things for sure yeah yeah totally and uh i'm glad i'm just back in a in a better mental space but i think yeah. there's triggers you know what i mean like you have to for a mom where you have to deal with you know it's not my my first kid so it's my second kid Mm -hmm. so my first kid has you know has school I've got to do homework I've got to do Mm -hmm. school runs I've got to do soccer I've got to do all these classes with him Italian and then I've got the baby that needs me but I'm trying for my boy to not feel isolated or like Mm -hmm. abandoned so I'm juggling a million things at once and then I have to you know figure out myself because at the time Mm-hmm. When I was doing the IVF, I promised my husband I'm not going to do any business. It's, we're not going to stress. We're just going to put it aside. But on the side, of course, I was sneakily doing business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's all at once. So for me, I felt like all the pressures can cause yeah. um, postpartum. It's the pressure, I think. Absolutely. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Stress can be a, a triggering factor as well. For mm-hmm. sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how about you, Anna? How did you feel when, because I know you, you have two kids now, right? You have a boy and a girl. Yeah. yeah. Like, what were some of your, your struggles as a mom? And, uh, yeah. So, I think, um, for me, when I had Halima, um, I was scared because I was the first of my siblings to have a baby. Everybody mm-hmm. was excited. I was excited as well. But when I had, when she came out, she looked like an alien to me. I was just like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but all my babies come out as aliens. All my babies come out looking like aliens. And then my <laughs> older sister, like her babies come out looking human right away. Like, you know how some babies have to morph into themselves? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Anna. Stop it. <laughs> so i'm one of those people right so i was like oh my god like this alien whatever so then um my husband wanted us to go back to our home after we had the baby so we did that but then the baby would cry and i would cry and i was like yeah i don't know what i'm doing like this is like Mm -hmm. Can we go to my mom's house? Because I don't know what I'm doing. So um, we went to my mom's house. Then my my oldest sister flew in from Tennessee. My my all my sisters were there. My mom was there. And they literally just took care of the baby. And like my older sister was busy taking care of me. So like 
I felt supported. So I wasn't scared. And then like after a month, of course, my husband was like, ah, are you going to come home now? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not. (laughs) He was like, I'm tired of coming to visit my wife and my children and my child at at my in-laws. And I was like, okay, I'm ready to come home. But I had already told my mom, like, ah, like I need help. So my mom brought me a maid from Tanzania at the time, you know, back in those days in 2006, like the, mm-hmm. it was different. You can like, you know, get a visa for a maid to come. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I went back to my husband's house with the maid and that made me feel confident because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, like this is an older woman. She knows what she's doing. Like mm-hmm. she can handle the baby and I can just like kind of take care of myself. Yeah. And, and that worked out for me. And when I had Omar, it was different. My mom lost her mom when I had Omar. She came to help me, but she was depressed. And I had Halima. My husband was flying in between France and the U.S. where we came to have the baby. But at the time we were living in Rwanda. So that was also a tough time for me. Like I'll have to drive Halima to school with the baby in the car seat. So when the baby's crying, I'm crying. I'm dropping. Like I am... So it was a hot mess. Yeah. For like a good two months. Then my mom thought she was having a heart attack. We ended up at the emergency room and they told her it's, she was grieving. It's called something like heartbreak syndrome or something. And they told her it's it's a real deal. It's a thing. Yeah. 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 So it was very, you know, it was a very crazy time and like the first two, three months. And then, when my mom left, I felt like she took her grief and her depression and her and her everything away with her. And I felt a little bit more at ease. And then my husband was able to come back and help. And then we moved back to Rwanda. When we moved back to Rwanda, we had a nanny. See, and this is my thing. And even now I told my husband, we could try, but I need you to understand that there needs to be a nanny on standby. Because what I'm not doing is... I just can't. I like some people are very good with like, you know, stretching the baby and like me, I get scared. I think I'm going to break the baby, you know? So I need like a, a nanny. Like I need an older woman who's going to do all those things. Yeah. And then I can just like take care of me, breastfeed, give you the baby. And that's how I do motherhood. And some people might be like, oh, you're spoiled or you're not a real mom. But that's yep. my kind of motherhood when they're super young. I need well, someone who, to really take charge of the baby. Well, mm-hmm. who determines what motherhood is? It's a, it's an individual thing. Yeah, that but part. these days, social yeah. media is really not depicting the actual, you know, Trouble reality of mothers. Motherhood. I exactly. am not the mother that... I'm not going to pack your lunch the night before and do right. all the beautiful cuttings and the, the <laughs> Disney ears. I, I, I cannot be a full-time mom. I'm sorry. And Tell it, girl. I know that. Like, listen, I'm a very good mom. I'm attentive. I am intentional. Yeah. I am very involved. Like, I am hands-on. Yeah. But the full-time thing, I'm a working mom. You I are. love my travels. And when, when Rugi wants her Rugi time, I will travel alone. Hell yeah. Yes. Do it like Anna does. But there's this, these people that just show that mom, being mommy is just like, wow. No. Like self-sacrifice where you don't, you, you forget yourself. When, when we talked about yeah. it, if you are uh, running on empty tank, you have nothing to give. Thank you. It is important 
to self-care and self-love even though you are there for your children your husband your sisters everybody else we Thank should you. not forget self-love and that's missing in our community and our it's culture. actually missing and there's no shame in there getting isn't. a nanny to help you there's no shame in getting a nope. teacher there's it no isn't. shame in in employing people to help you what am i working for yeah. Exactly. That's your I'm support system. I'm working to provide because I can't be there 100% because actually I love being out there and working and hustling. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I actually want to provide the best for you. So if I have the money, I'll pay for the tutor. I'll pay yeah. for anything to just, you know, yeah. to help. Yeah. But we need to normalize that as well. There are mothers that actually uh, enjoy these things, there are yeah. mothers that just can't do it. And I'm not that mother. Yeah, and that's I mean, okay. Even the like, night nurses, I know here yeah. in the U.S., there's also um, night nurses that you can hire so that at night they're mm-hmm. with the baby, so you can that's sleep. Me. And that's I am all about me. that. Oh, oh yeah, oh really, girl? <laughs> I am, I am here for it. Get okay, you a night me, nurse so you can sleep. Doesn't sleep at night. This girl will wake up three, four times a night. And now you know what? I'm like, I need a night nurse. I can't do this. <laughs> Especially yeah. if you have to wake up and go to work. And this is the thing. Whether it's a night nurse, a daytime nanny, a wet nose nurse, because Lord knows, girl, when you breastfeed them babies, your breast will mm. fall down to your knees, honey. Oh, you mm-hmm. should see my body right now. <laughs> I cannot wait to just finish this next round and just fix this body. <laughs> listen being a mother motherhood has its own struggles you know it really okay. does and it helps if we all rally behind each other instead mm-hmm. of like um you know like mother shaming each other online on facebook on whatever oh, this mother shaming has got to stop it's crazy to, to each Come his on. own if you, you want to love my kid, mom, well, you don't love your kid more than I love right. my kid. Let's stop. Right. Well, yeah. first of all, first of all, it's not even a competition. Number one, it isn't. Yeah. And number two, you know, if you want to be a stay-at-home mom, so be it. Kudos to well, you. It's not my thing. That's not what I like to do. I cannot be a stay-at-home mom. But if mm-hmm. somebody feels like that is their calling, that's okay. Let me and be I with my you for that. Right. But you are not going to shame me for not staying at home like you are. We need to respect each other's decisions in motherhood. That's just the bottom line. Totally. And also, can we just say that like you're nobody's getting a trophy? Like, what do you think happens if you're you. working and and you're you're there like bambaning and numpaling and staying up all night. Then you're also cooking for your husband. Like, girl, what are you trying to get? Like, take care you. of yourself. Because let me tell you something. I, I hear it all the time. Your mom dangan nasah. Your mom dangan nasah. Like, yes. let me be nasah and have my. You want? Oh, absolutely. And I'm like, I don't care. Your hanga mo amom da fanasah. Dapat meni so amud binan. Dumuna amdo. Yeah, that's my condition. Man mo numako. Line of the binance. That's my attitude. Yo, you, your husband, you want me to have a baby? Where's the nanny in this America here? Yeah. Well, uh-uh. Let me tell you a funny story. <laughs> so, obviously, my firstborn, Jamil, he was born out of wedlock, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I was the girl that was just, I was enjoying life. I, yeah. was, I had the best job in Australia. I, I was doing my thing. Mm-hmm. I, I was pregnant. I'm like, yeah, 
pregnant. Hey, BK, I'm, you know, I'm going to abort it. And there's mm-hmm. no way, because I never wanted kids. And then I spoke to my mom. I'm like, ah, yeah, promise. And she's like, yes. I'm like, ah, okay, I'm like, if not, because I cannot deal with this. No, but it's there. It's there. Like, you're like, listen, I can't do this on my own in this Australia by myself. But if you're going to give me some help, then sure. Like, send help. 
Julie, relax just, uh, you know, just do the things that you enjoy. But yeah. It helps. It helps. I agree with that. And, and 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 I laughed when Anna was saying, you know, um, you know, you guys don't have to. It's not like you don't get a trophy for like being like the super mom of the year. I say that to a lot of women who are coming in to deliver when I was delivering babies, mm-hmm. I would, I would have women say, I don't want an epidural. I want to go natural. I want to feel it to be a woman. I take them to the side. I said, listen here, you don't get an extra A plus for crying. Okay? I say, it, I do. I swear to God, I did that to a lady. I said, you don't get an extra A plus. For, for, for going the natural way. I'm not telling if you ain't telling. <laughs> I said, lady, get the damn epidural. You know, I'm not going to tell true. nobody. If you don't tell nobody, I ain't telling nobody, okay? That is so true, though. I, oh, but I did we all feel natural, like... all natural when I can have help. Right. We feel like our womanhood would be taken away from us if we do epidurals as opposed to going natural. Mm-mm. Take the Take the help, madam. Because, Nancy, sometimes we are our own worst enemy. Women, yeah, we I judge agree. each other the worst. It's not I even agree. the men. Because yeah. the men don't even know what's happening most we of the time. Help. You know, you fact, but you know what? You know what? They can't handle it. You know what's interesting? Is because the lady that I said that this to, she actually was Indian. And her mom was in the room. And her mom said to her, you know, you're a woman. You need to be able to ride it out without any medications. I did. I did. That's what her mom said to her. So then she's then looking at me and she's like, yeah, I think I'm going to do it natural, you know? And I said, honey, you don't get an extra plus. Let me just tell you a little secret, okay? You ain't going to be any less of a mother than your mother because you had epidural. So that's a little secret. We don't give extra trophies for those who go natural. Everybody gets the same trophy. Hello. Which is your baby. So go on ahead and don't do the unnecessary stuff. Sometimes you're right. We are our own worst enemy. Other women are telling us that we need to suffer like they did oh, yeah. in order to be a real mother. You know what I mean? Yeah. I yeah, think just no. for me, I'm very unapologetic about using yeah. technology or medicine. Let me tell you, like when I, I went in to uh, do my checkup, like it was a 37 week checkup. And apparently my blood pressure was so high, like through the roof. Oh, really? So, okay, you're back. So anyway, yes, apparently my blood pressure was so high. I was like, we have to really go and deliver this baby now. I'm like, wait a minute. My hair is not done. My nails are not done. My lashes are not done. <laughs> what do you mean I have to go? I'm like, no, you're going to let me go. And I'm going to go home, look after myself, and I'll be back at 6 o'clock in the morning. And she was just, you were are looking you beat. Me? Yeah. I saw your pictures. You were looking beat. <laughs> yes. Having that baby, girl, you look like you are ready for the runway. <laughs> run Let me tell you. She was like, are you crazy? <laughs> like, she's never came across. They're telling me, like, I really need to go in. I'm like, you're not understanding me. My, my beauty is important to me. Absolutely. You that know? is too funny. That's too funny. <laughs> but yeah. it's all about, you know, the things you care about. The doctors, oh. you, no offense, Dr. Laffy. Right. Doctor non-taken. Things, but then, like, you know, you're emotional with the things that 
you know, that, that means a lot to you. You have to look after it as well. Within yeah. reason. Within reason. Within and reason, I, of I, course. And mm-hmm. I think that, I know, because we can talk about this like all day, you guys. I love this girl <laughs> chat right here. But I think that the, the um, especially for a lot of uh, um, audience, like the takeaway message should just be that, you know, whether it's IVF, you know, if, mm-hmm. if it is, if you're struggling with infertility, it's a very mm-hmm. common thing. There is no need to be ashamed of it. There's no need to feel like you can go get help. Uh, I mean, like, uh-huh. I know people, I know people who actually got personal loans to do IVF. Heck, people get personal loans to go buy uh, uh, gold and jewelry. Yeah. You could do the That's same what thing. I thought, instead of yep. doing that. Yeah. Go and invest in the things that matters to you. Matter. Absolutely. 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 And there's so much support nowadays. We should not stigmatize a mother who got their baby through IVF versus somebody who gets it naturally. A mother I is agree. a mother, right? And so absolutely. I, 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 I hope agree. that. I mean, as, as nasty as it sounds, some, some yeah. of my friends are like, did you meet someone? Like, you know, are you in a new relationship? Like, how ignorant can you be? So it's a a lot of educating that we have to do and just so that people understand. Um, And, you know, and then there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel, like for a lot of uh, uh, whether you're married or, uh, you know, single sisters who are get going through the journey of being, you know, wanting to be, uh, a mother later in life mm-hmm. freeze your eggs honey in your 20s if you can afford mm-hmm. it in your 30s if you can afford it that's when you have the best quality eggs yeah. you know mm-hmm. um, otherwise in your 40s it's a struggle mm-hmm. having to have um, healthy eggs you may have some but it may not be healthy the quality and the quantity of eggs kind of dives down um, you know, as you get older, 35 going to 40 and then over 40 for sure. So IVF is sometimes the only way for some of us to become mothers. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's no shame in that. I have no, I have no qualms about like ever having to tell somebody, oh yeah, I, you know, I, I, I did IVF to be a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? I'm just glad that in our uh like we're able to have choices because mm-hmm. a generation ago women didn't have the IVF as a choice that's mm-hmm. right and yeah. so and so now i'm just grateful that in our generation we have this and maybe in our children's generation they may even have more amazing opportunities to becoming moms and battling yeah. infertility right yeah. Um, and, and, and when it comes to postpartum depression, just like we talked about, you know, it's something that we want all women to be in tune, keep an eye out. If you're feeling different, if you're feeling like this is in me, I am excessively crying and thinking mm-hmm. about harming the baby, talk mm-hmm. to somebody about it. And, and, yeah. and, and, and our family, we, I want our families to also be sensitive when your sister talks mm. to you about, I am feeling like I want to hurt my baby. I'm feeling scared. Do not get on the phone and call the world about it. Be supportive. Help her through it. Because the reason a lot of us don't speak out, we don't want to be stigmatized. We don't want our families judging us. So Mm -hmm. we need to work on being supportive with our fellow sisters, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, um, and creating safe spaces. Exactly. I think that's yes. important, Nafi, because for me, when I was scared, 
I called my mom and I was like, I'm scared. I don't know what I'm doing. And this little alien baby keeps crying and looking at me. (laughs) I need help. You know, and I had the same thing. And you were honest. But but the thing is, you were able to communicate your fear. Right. A lot of us back home don't Mm -hmm. know how to communicate how we're feeling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? Because we just feel like, well, it's a normal feeling that everybody feels. So I might as well just suck it up and move on. Yeah, and you're scared to be like, uh, you know, box into Kiyabibola. That maybe you have the empathy, but you just don't know how to be a mother. How yeah. Parent. Yeah. Or you're not out. good at the the newborn stage. Like I'm there not. The go. newborn exactly. stage is just it's not my jush. But yeah, trust exactly. me, I am an amazing mom. But yes, yeah. they were like, yeah. I'm like, yes, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. like all those things. I'm like, yep, do it because I don't know what I'm doing. And I yeah. also want to just reinforce the fact that I'm glad that Rugi, you brought up this whole super mom culture because I think the super mom trope is so unrealistic. Mm. And the fact that social media hypes these moms who are, you know, making breakfast from scratch and they're Oi. driving to work and, <laughs> and they're commuting to the office and they're running errands and you're trying to be everything to everybody. What you happens you're lying. is you're going to burn out. You're going to burn out. So yeah. it's, it's these impractical expectations that we place on girls and women. And mm-hmm. I think we have to reject it. You, where do you see people talking about the super dad? Why isn't dad waking up at the middle of the night? Why isn't dad making breakfast from scratch, making sure that he's also giving you 10 orgasms in the morning? Then he can take the kids to school and he can go bring the... No, really. No. You know, you don't see those things uh, put, uh, those expectations on men. So I think for us women, uh-huh. It's up. It's up to us to make sure that whatever our idea of being a great mom is, uh-huh. we factor ourselves in and we prioritize ourselves. You have to be okay first to be able to pour into your children. If you have nothing to give to yourself, what are you giving to the kid? It's just bits and pieces of yourself. So make sure that you're pouring into you as much as you're pouring into your children and you're pouring into your marriage and your spouse. But uh-huh. and I know people want I'm to giving your spouse a lot of sex, right? That part, <laughs> that part, and make sure he's giving you a lot of sex and yeah, a lot it, of hair. It, it has to happen you know? in the home. Let me tell you, and it trickles down to the kids. It does. I mean, when you wake up on a Saturday morning and you had a good Saturday, oh, a big oh, you're ready to make breakfast. You're putting on music. You're dancing to the kitchen. You know, but if he hasn't touched you in a while, you haven't had a good orgasm in a while. You wake up, you're you're sleeping. You're like, yeah, good morning. When he looks at you, just like, what you're looking at? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So that part, it's important. (laughs) But moi, I want to take the time. Mm-hmm. To just say, I really, really appreciate and I love what you're doing with your kids. And just, uh, and just, you know, recognizing your girl's path or her journey and just being yes. able to share it with us. Really? Moi, do you know what the, that did to me? You're the only Gambian I know that has highlighted, uh, you know, bringing up a non-binary child. Yeah. Right. And I think you need to elaborate more on that. I would love to hear more on that, but that really, really just made me so proud. Like, thank you, thank you. Like, 
we need to hear this because we're all bringing up, we're all raising kids that mm-hmm. are coming from different walks of life. You know what, my mm-hmm. son? My son's just a mommy. You can't force me to be Muslim. Mommy, you, I do what I need to do and I respect no. it. When he says this, I swear more. But it's like, hey, you know, new German. That's new German. But you know what? Uh, just being patient and just understanding and learning him and, you know, yeah. just yeah. validating him. Yeah. yeah. So I think you you two validating your daughter and yes. just accepting it and grooming her and loving her on top of that, like I would love to hear more of that. And it's so, unconditional love, right? Oh my yeah. god, yeah. it's the most beautiful thing I've yeah. ever ever seen. And I think yeah. I told you before. But yeah. yes, we want to hear more of that because oh. Gambia, we have those that we do. We do yeah. what they, you know what we just automatically categorize them as good you know yeah. without even respecting you know Nikki who they telling you that they are sometimes exactly. it's just listening like don't force them just listen to who they telling you they are because these kids are already born who they are Thank Yo, you. it's not your job to tell them who they are yala nimlin binde nonalin binde Yes, so sometimes, yeah. you know, when they take it and they want to run with it the religious way, they want to run with it and put what? God and make God into this ugly thing. And it's uh-huh. like, no, God uh-huh. created you and God created Halima and yeah. Halima goes by they, them, and you go by she, her. Yes. What's the, what's everybody and, do? And the own. thing is, uh, when it comes to the religious thing within Gambia, my thing is that we have what's called selective you know, being selectively mm-hmm. religious. Yes. Yes. Why, again. When it comes let's to being mean and evil on each other and we dismiss let's each other, talk about it because fine. we're but not over you? here, we're not over here campaigning to go get all men that are committing adultery. Let's talk about it. Uh, but we're go. busy saying we're gonna hang anybody who's gay. We're gonna Hello. hang anybody who well, well, you know what? That ain't the only sin. Hello, we're not in your eyes, right? What about if you consider it a sin? You better look the other way too, honey. Let the man with no sin cast the first stone. If you got a sin, go sit over there and you mind your sin. That's what I say. Well, hello, that's it. Yeah, that's what I say. And it just it's so frustrating that people are pretending to be this religious, you know, uh, 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 community, but it's just selective. Oh, come right? on, give me because a break you, with this religious cycle. It's just like, let's just try to be good human beings first. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If I can right? support moi, or if moi can support me, if Dr. Nefi can support me, let's celebrate that first. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm then, just saying, my way, yeah. the way that I live my life, it's very easy. I am more of a live and let live kind of person. Yeah. you do you and i'll do me right yeah. Yeah. And, and and that's good that's fine with me i'm not judging you in what you do because lord knows we all sin differently so let's not judge others for sinning differently than we do we all mm-hmm. got our issues totally. we're not, let's totally. not point fingers at other people because we all of a sudden think well my sin is a little different than her sin well, let ju- God be the judge of a that. Sin is a sin. Exactly. What's the difference? Okay. Sin is a sin. Exactly. So, but who is to say Lee sin? Yeah. Yeah. Like who, who are we to say Lee sin? So I think uh, we need to shine more light into individualism. Like you know, what we the kids that we're trying to you know bring up, uh-huh. who they are, and accepting who they are. Uh-huh. 
you know, it's really important. But yeah, moi and Dr. Nafi, you really need to shine more light to that because yeah. there's a lot of confused kids back home, you know, yeah. having even the Godjigen word I hate it but mm-hmm. but it's just shining a light to just being who you are yeah and then who cares that's all that's all there is to it you know like yeah. you you do your thing and I'll do my thing but you, we don't need to 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 you know like belittle each other's way of lives we don't need no. to you know, judge other people in what they do. If you feel you're a better Muslim in your practicing, kudos do you. to you. And do let's you, move boo. on. Just, just do your thing and let me do my thing. And when we die on day of judgment, let me find out <laughs> which one of <laughs> us you is are. going to heaven. Girl. Okay. <laughs> let's see. Let's see where you are, girl. Right, right. I mean, it's just all about tolerance. That's what I, yeah. that's what I like to preach, you know. Let's be tolerant. And again, yeah. even if you don't agree with somebody's lifestyle, right? Respected. Respected. That's the bottom line. Like, yeah. if I say I'm not into polygamy and you are, I respect it. Let's move mm-hmm. on. Right? Yep. If you say mm-hmm. that you're into women, I'm not. I respect it. How mm-hmm. about we have tolerance for differences? That's all I'm Absolutely. saying. We don't, need to hang, we don't need to hang anybody. We don't need yeah. to kill anybody. We don't need to, you know, like run somebody out of a community because they're living a different lifestyle. Let's respect each other and let God judge our actions on day of judgment. End the story. Amen. Amen. That's it. That's all I got. Amen to our good heart. <laughs> Amen to our good intentions. And yeah. just minding our business. Absolutely. Absolutely. And with that, you all, we have to complete this episode. But I am just so glad that we were able to shine some light on just what some of the basic things are that mothers have to struggle about. And it is okay to not be okay. We keep saying that. It's okay yeah. to not be okay because um, there is help out there. You can get counseling. You can get, you know, hormonal therapy. You can get like be put on antidepressants. You can get on whatever it is that you need and it does not need to be stigmatized. You know what I mean? And sometimes all you need is a little, you know, support, you know, for you to get over a hump. And Uh and, and we want to make sure we tell people that that is available and there's life after postpartum depression, right? There's life Mm -hmm. after initial struggles of motherhood. You know Uh what I mean? Uh And these are things that, in Gambia, they don't teach us about motherhood, to be honest. Like, it's no. a mystery. Motherhood oh. in Gambia is a mystery until you become a mother. It's an right? automatic thing. You're just supposed to know. Right. You, I mean, we're not prepared to know about, like, what, what um, uh, labor is like. Right? You don't know that. Because no, you've never... You don't. So you don't know about these things, but I think the more we say, hey, when you have deliver, when you deliver a baby, there are sometimes struggles that you go through emotionally, physically, and that's all right. It's good to just sensitize our community about that, right? Absolutely. And Rugi, it was, I am so glad you decided to join us. I reached out to you and you were like, yes, right away. I was so excited. (laughs) I know our Mary is going to be so disappointed that her... Her connection really stopped her from being part of this conversation because she <laughs> was so excited to chat with you, Rugi. Oh, thank you, ladies. Oh, thank you're you welcome. so much for coming on. 
thank you for listening. Thank you for shining a light on the most important things and continue doing what you're doing because you girls are absolutely smashing it. Aww. I love what you're doing. I love you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank all right. you. Until next Have time, guys.